Welcome to this week's episode of Hey, I think we're good here. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jackson Metakekia. And I'm Matt West. And we're here getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. Today we'll be talking to all-time great Wildcat and current national team member Maddie Kingdon about her growth as an attacker and as a teammate. she is yo what is up what's up, what's buddy? up you guys will these be okay it's it's quiet in here i think well dude let's get it going all right uh, welcome to the podcast yeah, yeah thanks guys welcome to the podcast i'm not a volley nerd though either so i'm like a little bit nervous because you guys are like love volleyball yeah, uh, you you love volleyball a little bit. I love volleyball, but like, we'll we'll <laughs> see. We'll see how this goes. But the deal with this isn't necessarily. You're not like spitting volleyball facts or knowledge. You're just That's telling. That's true. You're just telling your story, and if there's some volleyball involved, there's some volleyball involved. Okay, that's true. There should be a little that's, bit. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like this first like question, a dec- like at least a decade of it. This first question is going to be volleyball related. Like, who awesome. would have thought, you know? Why volleyball? What got you started? Well, actually, volleyball wasn't like my first love or my first sport. It actually was the last one. So I <laughs> I started out swimming when I was like really, really little. And I was a state championship swimmer when I was like eight years old. And then after swimming, I did Wait, basketball. in what races? The breaststroke. I was a state nice. champ breaststroker when I was like eight. Yeah. So I was like, I love swimming. It's all I want to do. And then uh, I switched to basketball and basketball. My dad, like we would always just hoop in the driveway at my house and my dad just really pushed me to play basketball. So then I was into basketball and then I really just kind of followed where like my fr- my friends were because I just yeah. liked being around my friends. Yeah. And I only have a brother, so I don't have sisters. And it was like, this is a way to be with the girls and with, you know, like almost my sisters. Um, and then after that, I did gymnastics and I did softball. And volleyball was last. How old were you when you started playing volleyball? I was 14. Did you just hop right into club or was there like any kind of initiation before club? Initiation? <laughs> no, but I was actually playing basketball and then this mom who like one of my good friends she also played basketball with me and then she played club volleyball too and so this girl's mom was like you should play club volleyball and she would always tell my dad and my dad was like stop asking like I don't want you to play volleyball and I was like dad like I really want to play all my friends are playing club and on the weekends like they had these tournaments and I was like I just want to be hanging out with my friends on the weekends and so this mom kept pushing my dad and he was like okay, you can play club, but you have to play basketball. And I was like over basketball at this point. So he like forced me to play basketball while I did club and like middle school volleyball. So Decent. it was like a little that's give like, and take. Yeah, but that's like, it's a pretty, it's a really fast progression. Cause like Micah started playing at eight. Maddie grew up I know, playing like, straight I out of the never, womb. You know what I mean? No, like, I wasn't a gym rat at all with volleyball. Like, I guess from a young age, you know, I just wasn't introduced to it ever. And I started, like, really late. I was a middle when I first started, too. So, like, I had a year of playing middle. So, I guess I didn't, like, start being an outside, honestly, until, like, my freshman year of high school. Wow. But you're a good case study for multi-sport athlete. Yeah. Like, I – I liked basketball. It was okay. And then softball, I thought I was going to go to college playing softball because I like have a cannon of an arm. And I think that's like what has gotten me pretty far in volleyball, honestly, too. But um, in softball, I could throw to second base. So I was a catcher and I was like the only person who could like pick someone off at second base, like stealing second. So 
I was like, this is my jam. I love softball. <laughs> but <laughs> at our high school, I couldn't do, like, I think uh, softball season and club volleyball season, like, overlapped. Yeah, and I couldn't miss softball to go to club volleyball practice. And my parents were like, well, I went to a public high school. We weren't paying for uh, softball. So they were like, we're not going to pay for you to do club volleyball like if you're going to miss it for softball. So you got to pick one or the other. So then I just picked volleyball because like that's what all my good friends were doing. And I was like, I like this one more too. And all my homies are doing this. I want to be here. Like I'm committed to volleyball. So And then I chose it. So from high school on freshman year on, I was just only volleyball. What was like, what was the turning point where you didn't even, you were like, even if my friends quit, I would still play this sport. You know what I mean? Um, I kind of just saw like the progression of my game and that I was like excelling a little bit quicker than other people. And I was like, wow, like I'm getting good, like fast, you know, like there were girls, like what you said, girls that had been playing since they were like nine or 10. And then I was closing that gap pretty quickly. And I was like, I'm, I'm like pretty decent at this. And I really enjoy playing. So I like devoted from freshman year of high school, like all of my time to just playing volleyball whenever I could. For me, like, I owe everything to my first coach I had playing club because she, like, built me into something when I was basically nothing. What's her name? Her name's Terry Spann, but her name – she played at Arizona State, and her name is Terry Cox. She's the <laughs> homie. I think she deserves a shout-out. <laughs> what did you like the most when you were younger about volleyball? Hitting. Just, is like, it, hitting the ball as hard as I Is it still exactly the same now? <laughs> um yeah there's I mean I I like hitting but then I think just because I am a hitter like I know the feeling of when somebody digs like your best hit is like the worst feeling you know yeah and so I think I like defending that ball too like when someone is hitting their heaviest ball I like being the defender that digs it because I'm like okay like you can that's all you have you know and because I hate that feeling when someone digs me and so I like to I really like defense so how nice is it when you like dig somebody in position four when they're hitting sharp cross and then they mm -hmm. set you in trans and then you hit it sharp cross and then you get the kill best feeling. <laughs> the best feeling in the world huh it's like the best feeling. yeah i think yeah that's a pretty good feeling because that's like i mean if someone's hitting four to four like they're crushing that ball that's yeah. not you don't have a lot of space to hit yeah yeah so that's a pretty good feeling i'd say so then as you mature and evolve as a volleyball player in high school at what point in time when do you start getting recruited and then and you were in the usa pipeline growing up too right at like not really honestly i didn't do a lot of like high performance usa pipeline stuff i just i don't know like i feel like i started a little bit too or like in my opinion like i just started too late and i just I was never involved or like my parents didn't really push it on me either it was always like I don't know, like some of my friends are like, I'm going to USA, like high performance camp. And I was like, like have fun. And, you know, like it just didn't really, I just wanted to like play and I didn't know what it meant, you know? Yeah. I was just playing like wherever I could, whenever I could, but I didn't know what that meant. So I really, I really wasn't was. in the pipeline. Like my, uh, maybe my, oh, not in, my first USA thing wasn't until like my freshman year of college, maybe before that, when I was asked to be on the junior national team. Yeah. But then I ended up getting hurt and I couldn't go. So, like, my first yeah. look at the national team wasn't until, like, A2 stuff at adult nationals. So how did you get recruited? Um, or how old were Dave, you? How did this happen? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of a strange thing. But um, so I committed to Arizona my sophomore year of high school. So you've been but, playing volleyball for all of, like, two and a half years at this like point? Two and a half. <laughs> yeah. And I started as a middle. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how any of this happened, but um, Dave Rubio from Arizona, like, would come and watch. I don't even know, like, how he saw me or found out about me or anything, but, like, I got letters from people, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm starting to get letters, cool. And then, like, Dave Rubio from Arizona would, like, come to every single club volleyball match I played, and he was just, like, really into, like, talking to me, talking to my family, like, making his presence known, being like, hey, we're watching, you did a great job, whatever, like, he was just there, you know? And so 
when it came down to like choosing a school, I was choosing between Colorado State and Arizona. And I was just like, I feel like a part of a family already at Arizona. And it just felt like the right decision. Yeah. And you're born and raised Arizona kid too. Yeah. But neither one of my parents actually went to college. My grandma went to Arizona State and that was like the extent of it. And like no one, I had no connections to Arizona at all. And like no, no one had played volleyball there that I knew nothing. Um, but I just like in my heart, it just felt right. And I was like, this is the school for me. So yeah, that's kind of how I, how I chose, but I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I just started playing volleyball. You're going to offer me like free school. And they had this baller. Her name was, <laughs> her name was Tiffany Owens and she was going to be a senior or she was going to graduate and I would have to like come fill her role basically. And so I, I was also kind of being offered like a starting spot. And I was like, this is kind of a dream come true. You know, like I, I want to selfishly, like I want to play. So I don't know. Yeah, it just all right worked place, out. Right time. Exactly. Yeah, but then quitting, I actually ended up, what's up? I was going to say quitting softball must've felt so good at that point in time. We're like, I made the right choice. <laughs> Yeah, but then, like, I also felt like, I don't know, when I was making that decision, I was like, this is really hard, because, like, I feel like I'm pretty good at softball, you know, like, I could do, for sure. I could go to school for softball, and our softball team was good at my high school, too, but then my high school team, my volleyball team was, like, amazing, so usually freshmen didn't make the varsity team, it just, like, wasn't a thing, and me and my other good friend who played together in club ended up making the varsity team as freshmen, and that was when I was like, okay, this like I actually am like this kind of validated that I actually am kind of good so I don't know volleyball is definitely the right choice obviously it's panning out yeah it's clear it's clearly panned out so far yeah I don't know but yeah and I graduated um from high school early and I went to Arizona um like early so I went a spring I went for spring of 2011 and then I started my actual time in fall 2011. So you graduated to high school a semester early? Mm-hmm. Why, so why did you do that? Because like I said, I was supposed to go in and take like fill a role. And so they wanted me to come train so that I would be more prepared like in their system to start my freshman season. Was there okay. any you, sense, sorry, go ahead Jackson. How was that semester for you? Cause selfishly i we have a girl at nevada right now who did the same thing and mm -hmm. she just got done with that semester what were the benefits for you doing that well for me there my freshman class that i was supposed to come in there with there were eight of us so for me oh. it was like one really good for me to just get like help from my coaches that you know to just get me to the level i needed to be at and it was basically like one-on-one -on -one coaching because you get to set those like individual hours you know with just it was like just the coaches and me so yeah. I got a lot of attention there with just reps and also just integrating with the older girls like I made friendships with those girls instead of them having to make friendships with eight freshmen like I got to make friendships and it was just me so I was like really close with all those girls before all the other freshmen got there so I guess I kind of had like a little bit of a leg up which in my opinion was nice was it overwhelming at all, like, going from – I mean, obviously, you play, like, a high level of club volleyball, but a lot of those girls that are, like, playing Pac-12 or Big Ten or whatever or grow up in the USA pipeline, so they're used to each other. They know each other really well. Was it yeah. overwhelming to go into, like, that kind of atmosphere of, like, wow, there's, like, all these good people in Arizona. I'm not really used to this. I'm a 17 year old, like, and I'm just kind of walking in or did you already feel yeah. like you're just that competitive or like, I don't care. I, I'm just here to learn. Yeah. Like I felt like I kind of had a chip on my shoulder going in a little bit because I was like, okay, I'm coming off this pretty good high school career. Like I feel good about it. And then I remember the first day of sixes at preseason and Dominique Lamb, she was like a baller, middle middle blocker from Arizona. And I like went up to just like kill a ball and she blocked me straight down. And it happened like three times in a row. And I was like, okay, I'm not like in high school anymore. And I have a lot to learn. <laughs> and that was like a really humbling moment for me. So 
I walked in thinking I was going to do like really well. And then I realized quickly that like, I still had a lot to learn. Um, but everyone was super helpful with it. And they, they all got me to where I needed to be by, by the time season rolled around. Aside from that being a humbling experience, is there like one lesson that you learned in that one training block that you felt like resonated with the rest of your career? Where you're like this, I'm never going to forget this. Well, I only wanted to hit balls as hard as I could. I mean, you've said this before that I only have two speeds hard and harder. Yeah, and that's true. all I want to ever do is like when I went my first semester, like I just wanted to hit the ball straight down as hard as I could. And I remember Dave Rubio, he was just like really good with teaching me that like I needed to have a toolkit when I was attacking. And the biggest lesson I learned was that I was going to have to hit with range because like I am an undersized outside. For sure. So I think that that was like a really big lesson for me. And it honestly, like, I think it took me a couple of years to learn, but he was teaching that right when I got there. It just, I mean, my freshman year, I don't, I don't think I even grasped it like that quickly, but um, over time, I definitely was like, I needed to have more to my game than just hitting as hard as I can. Not, not to jump ahead or anything, but mm-hmm. I, I looked you up and you had a 57 point match pretty recently in your professional career. Yeah. And I, I saw a lot of crossbody tips and shots to the middle of the court. So that, that toolkit has clearly developed quite a bit. Yeah. Um, is that, and I think it's had to, it's had to. Has that like, been a big focus for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that 57 point match was after I think my first season with the national team. And like going into the national gym, I realized quickly that like this, like having this toolkit is going to be good for me, but I'm also going to have to get better with it um, because everyone is just so good. The blockers are amazing. Defense is amazing. Like I have to find different ways to score. And so I took that, I think, into that season. But that that match also was just an anomaly. <laughs> I don't think that that should happen to anybody. I mean, it's cool to to say, but I don't think that that should, I don't know. Having 57 points in a I guess so. Well, they came up to me after, and they were like, do you know that you had 57 points? And I was like, excuse me, what? You're like, no what? wonder I'm I was so like, tired. That's why I can't feel my yeah. shoulder. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Was there a moment in your freshman season where I'm not saying, like, the toolkit came together, but when you, like, in a match or practice where you're like, okay, I feel like I belong here now. Because you said that girl just maimed you three times in a row, and that was pretty humbling. Not saying that, like, you didn't feel like you're like, oh, I'm a part of this team or anything, but it was like your coming out party, kind of. Like, was there a match where you're like, that's right, I'm here. Like, I'm in it. Oh, freshman year. Or did Um, that come later? I don't know. I mean, my freshman year is, like, such a blur, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) This is, like, 10 years ago. I don't even know how many years ago um, no, I don't really feel like I had a moment, but I think that just over time, I gradually, I don't know, just got more comfortable playing and being there. I think as you do with any team, but I can't pick a specific moment where I was like, this is the aha moment where I feel like it's all clicked. Yeah. Cause everyone's like, you have people like, I remember mine where I was like, this is kind of like my coming out party. Right. And then yeah. for other people, like, you for example you're just like I think I'm just coming into my own like game yeah. after game after game you know and like, yeah I think it I was think, just a steady yeah. progression just yeah. a steady progression through games yeah and did you did you end up starting your freshman year yeah I started all four years the whole time I don't know if there's a game I missed but I I don't know it just like was what it was and I just knew that I was going to be relied on in moments and I remember one practice like my setter we were just hitting out of system balls and I like a setter set it kind of kind of weird off the net and I was like oh man like can you set a little more inside you know like giving feedback and my coach is like you are the trash can of the court and I was like what does that mean he's like you are an outside you need to be able to hit every ball any ball like I don't care what it is you're not always going to get the perfect set but I need you to hit it in the court I need you to score and I was like got it okay and that was just like my job and I knew that and that was expected of me so that was just the role that 
I took on for our team. Is that your freshman year he told you this? Um, no, that was probably later because we had, I mean, we always had really good outsides and other attackers, but I don't know. I, I think that was probably like my sophomore year, I want to say. I, I don't know. That's not that much later. But it was early. It was early on. It was <laughs> yeah. early on. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's not that much later. How right. did you develop mentally as the years went on? Of like, not necessarily like bestowing pressure or stress upon yourself to like execute this job, but like the burden felt like more and more. And did it did it take a toll on you mentally? Because for sure, physically, it takes a toll when you go from like twenty attempts a match to like fifty. Yeah. But like mentally where you're like, I'm just, it's just my job. I accept this and this is who I am and whatever. Well, for me, it was like, I, I knew that it was like a role I had, but I liked, I liked it. I liked the pressure and I liked what it was. It's like, okay, you're going to set me. That's fine. Like that's what every hitter wants, you know? Um, But I don't think I ever, I'm also the type of person that will just like, if you ask me like, Hey, how are you doing? I'd be like, I'm good. Like, it's fine. I, whatever you're asking of me to do, I'm just going to do it. And I'm just going to like grind and work hard. And that's just, I don't know. I think it's how I've gotten this far, but it never, I don't think it took a toll on me, but maybe it could have. And I just have been like suppressing that for years, <laughs> but I think I enjoyed it mostly. Was Dave pretty good about role clarity on your guys' team? Like each individual like understood, like I'm the blocking middle, I'm the attacking middle, like, setter you do this xyz or you know what i mean yeah i definitely think so i think there was so much role clarity that um like while i was there a lot of people went in and out of arizona but i think he was very specific with what he wanted and what he expected of people that's really nice yeah yeah like he was like yeah it's just i I knew that that i was i think so too no i i really respect dave and i think that he like for me he was a great coach he taught me a lot about attacking for sure and just like fine-tuning my game what's your biggest takeaway from him as not a volleyball coach but just as a person dave (laughs) i don't know he's just like a stand-up guy i love dave like i could call him now and be like hey dave like how's it going and we would just shoot the shit and I, i don't know i feel like i could just rely on him for anything i could ask him anything i could tell him anything um He's just a really, really good guy. I don't know. Like, that's pretty much what it boils down to. It's pretty yeah, important. Yeah. 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 Like someone that I could trust and come to with anything. Yeah. I don't know. He's, and he has three kids. So he was like kind of a dad to our whole team. And we would like go to dinner at his house and hang out with him. And he wanted to spend time with us. He wanted to like know how we were doing. I don't know. He was just like involved and just there. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a cool guy. <laughs> Do you ever feel like um, he gave you, just you personally, not necessarily your team, do you ever feel like he gave you too much freedom and he should have, like, reeled you in a little bit more and be like, hey, Maddie, relax. Like, I need you I need you to do this, this, and this more. Or was he pretty good about that? And it was, like, a fair um, balance of be yourself, but I need you to do this for the team. I think for me, he probably could have reeled me in a little bit more. And I don't know, I, like volleyball wise, when I first got there and probably like the first couple of years, I would make a lot of errors because I was like, I just want to hit and I'm going to do whatever I want. And he wouldn't pull me. I don't know. I think that there were times when he could have been like taught me a lesson a little bit, but he never did. Um, and then like for me later in my years, leadership wise, I think he could have asked more of me because I was just like kind of a lead by example type of player. Like, okay, I'm playing well. I expect everyone to kind of, or like if our team is like, I expected a level out of everyone, but I wasn't like super vocal about it. And I think a lot of other players like demand things verbally from people. And I just, I have this feeling like, okay, I'm going to show by example, I'm going to just work really hard in practice in the weight room, whatever. But I think he could have asked more of me, like as just a better leader and teammate later in my years. Are there, do you have any regret in that regard as a leader in like your last two years? Cause that's kind of when it's like, it's your show. 
would that be like your only regret essentially is like, I wish I would have just played more communication to my teammates and demanded a little bit more out of them. Yeah. And not demanded more, but I just wish that like, especially now, like being on the national team and just seeing how important relationships are and how much those affect, you know, like the game. I wish I would have been so much more aware of that when I was at Arizona with my own team, because I was like, I knew I had like, okay, my senior year, this is my last year. These new freshmen, they have four more years. Like, do I really, do I need to make this relationship? I don't know. Like, I wasn't thinking about those things. I was just like, I'm going to play. I need to do my job. But I just wish that I would have been more aware of those, the importance of those relationships. Yeah. I got called out for that my junior year because (laughs) I was like, I was so worried about the seven. Yeah. Right. And I was just like, this is the team that's going to take us to a championship. Not that you guys yeah. aren't important, but like in four years, five of us had never come off the court and the other two, we right. just needed you to like be a part of this really, really like, it's really, really important that you know what we ask of you and the rest of you cheer us on. Yeah. And then by the time, you know, by the time I was a senior and I kind of like sat down and looked at Firestone Fieldhouse and like the dojo, I was like, wow, it's kind of a dick. I probably... Not that I should have like accepted everybody more because I, I liked all of them. I wasn't like a jackass yeah. to anybody, but I was like, I probably should have thought more of the team and demanded the team to do this, not just X amount of people to follow. Right. Yeah. I feel exactly the same. I could, I just could have done more. Like I, and I also felt like I was doing like a lot physically. So I was like, ah, well, I'm doing all this. Like, do I need to be doing this other part but like as a leader I definitely should have been and in hindsight I wish I would have done it but hindsight's 2020 right it's interesting that you bring that up because I think every person we have interviewed has said something about demanding more of others along their journey (laughs) yeah Yeah. like they've all been like I think at this point in time I wish I would have demanded more of myself or demanded more of my teammates or blah 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 and then when they hit that point where they're like I was demanding. I was kind of a dick. I was kind of an asshole. Like it wasn't probably wasn't a great look for me, but it was my team. And like, I took us to the promised land. Yeah. I won, you know? Exactly. It's just really hard when you're young to like, accept that I'm probably not going to be well liked at times, but it's not personal. Right. It's just, I just need you to do this. Yeah. And it's hard. It's yeah. It's really hard for me too, because like I used to hate conflict. So I would be like, okay I don't honestly if like if I have a problem with you I don't want to really talk to you about it and now I'm like you should have just said something and then we could have been so much better but for sure yeah yeah. that's just that's just called learning and growing exactly here we are Uh, and here we are (laughs) yeah sorry Jackson go ahead so for me I personally went from junior college to division one volleyball and you went from Division One volleyball to professional and national team. And I know, for me, the adjustment was real tough. What were the tough parts about making that adjustment for you? Especially going to Azerbaijan. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, what man. a culture shock. Well, okay, I'll say this first. I didn't even think I was going to play pro volleyball. Like, I didn't know what it was, who did it, what was going on. And, like, my initial offer was from a team in, I think, Sweden or Switzerland. And I was like, this, like, I want to do it. I'm kind of half in, half out. I don't know. Um, and it, like, wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't vibing with me, the, the, the offer that I had. And so I was like, I'm going to just – played beach volleyball I think and I had moved to Hermosa that summer and then I was just kind of hanging out there for a while like two months I was in Hermosa and then I get this offer to go to Azerbaijan I was like one I need to google where this is two (laughs) dude like now I have to consider if I want to go to a place that like I've never heard of before but I like did some research knew they had a good league and and then um, Haley Eckerman was actually on my team okay and so I was like, okay, I have another American. There was another older American. Her name was Jessica Jones. She played at Minnesota, like, back in the day. And I messaged her, and I was like, hey, can you tell me some stuff? And she had play, played in Azerbaijan before. So 
she was like, this is this X, Y, Z. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this. But I was absolutely scared shitless. Like I was scared <laughs> flying there. I was like, I asked him, I was like, can you put me on a flight with Haley Eckerman so that we can go out there together? Because I have no idea where I'm going and I don't know what I'm doing. So oh, and like the icing on top or like the cherry on top is you're an Arizona board kid. You go to Arizona, you haven't left <laughs> yeah. at all. And now you're going to the next A in your life. The next AZ in your life, Azerbaijan. Exactly. It, I've had like a really weird route of professional seasons, but um, my setter was Newt Sara, the, the Thai setter. Sick. And she's, uh, oh my God, she made me look so good. I was like, people can set like this? Are you just, yeah. what? And um, I think for me, passing the, the ball is difficult. The Mikasa. Mikasa. It's just like totally different. And I had, oh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like think about it at all. I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go play whatever, do my best. But I think for me, the biggest challenge was passing. And then that after that season was when I got invited to come train with the national team. And then I realized that passing was like a huge deal. And that has been like my focus for the last five, four or five years. So yeah, it's, I didn't really it, round it's out a my little game. Important. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely realized that there, I was like, okay, I can win or lose games if people are serving me. And I'm like, if I'm not passing, well, we're not going to do great. But, um, and then I also realized that because we had some like other, obviously great outside hitters. We had Fefa, she's uh, Puerto Rican. She's been on the Puerto Rican national team for a while. And Stephanie Enright, we call her Fefa. And she was like a great outside. And we had an Azerbaijani outside who was incredible. And like by the grace of God somehow I beat Fefa out to play and I was like okay this is the first time I've really had to work for my spot and I had to like show that I could actually do it and then I was getting pulled sometimes you know because obviously I'd have good games and bad games but it was just like a little bit different passing wise was different and then that was different because I had gone to Arizona and just like not had a care in the world you know, I just, I kind of knew like I had to play and I had to perform. And then when I went to Azerbaijan, I was like second guessing myself when I would get pulled, I'd be like, am I good enough to be here? What am I doing? Can I do this? And I kind of had to learn how to just be my own cheerleader. What made you pull your head out of your ass in like those moments? Is it just reflecting Um, on the good times or did you just go back to work and rep it out or... Yeah, I think it was mostly just reps, and I got a lot of reps there. Uh, but I think, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just had to like tell myself, like, okay, hey, you can do this. Um, you've like, you've been in this situation before. You are a good volleyball player. I just had to keep my, reminding myself, honestly, that like I knew how to play volleyball, and like I had the right to be there, and I had worked hard to be there. So, and I also had a coach who was like really cool. He believed in me, and he was like, if I was having a rough day, he'd be like, hey like we need you I know you can do this and I was like okay that's like exactly what I needed to hear and I kind of figured out like what feedback I needed from a coach and then it was like okay I can also tell myself these things as feedback to myself and like it'll make me play a little bit better and it'll put me in a better mental frame for sure I think one thing most I mean a majority of the population doesn't understand in like the volleyball community is once you leave to go abroad you're alone yeah you know, like you're nine, 10, 12 hours away, like in a different time zone. And it's not like you can just hop on a flight for a weekend and go see mom and dad and have like a home cooking. Yeah. And I was planning a wedding, you know? Yeah. You're in it for nine months. (laughs) And you were planning a wedding. (laughs) I was planning a wedding my first season abroad. So I was just like, Oh my God. Like what is life? I don't know what I'm doing. Is this the right decision? Yeah. And you're just like, you're a 21 year old kid. And you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do or if I'm doing the right thing. And it just, it's just time and investment. You're like, this is my life. This isn't just volleyball. This is my life now. And it's such a weird lifestyle too. And then I'd come home, people would be like, "Uh, so like, what have you been up to? And I was like, I played professionally in Azerbaijan. They'd be like, excuse me, where? And I was like, I'll show you on Google. Yeah, and everybody thinks you're like studying abroad. They're like, "Oh, did you travel yeah. on the weekends? Did you meet all these yeah. people? What kind I'm of like, beers no, did you a, have?" It's like, no, that's not how it works. I had a double day. Yeah, had a double day every single day. 
Yeah, for the last nine months. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But we ended up winning the championship that year. We had such a cool team. Like, my whole team was pretty much foreigners. We had three girls who were Azerbaijani. So, I don't know. It was just a really, really fun experience team-wise. We just had a lot of great girls. In the following year, you went to Korea? Mm Mm-hmm. How was that? Well, first off, how did you get there? Did you have to get in to the draft? Yeah. And yeah, they were just like so, this girl looks like she could kill some balls. We'll take her. I no, actually, like I, <laughs> they like cut up the draft. So the okay, and how the draft was, it was really strange. Like it's all hitters, right? Yeah, it's all like outside their opposites. So we just like played like rotational, like everyone played every position. You just rotated and you played everywhere. So like I was hitting out of the middle. I was hitting as opposite, like. It was just so weird, the tryout style. Anyway, and then um, – so we Where just was the tryout like, that year? Was it in Anaheim? It was ASC. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And um, so I tried out, and they would, like, cut up the group into groups of eight. And then you would go into, like, the back room, you know, at ASC, where, they, where you have, like, team meetings and stuff. Yeah. And they would interview people. And, like, they would be, like, the panel of all the coaches, and they would just ask questions. And the only question that I got asked was like, what is your favorite part of volleyball? And I was like, I like to play defense. <laughs> and the, we're all hitters. And they, or they were like, what makes you different? I don't even know. And all I remember saying was like, I love to play defense. Like other than attacking, I just want to play defense. And the Asian and, volleyball community was like, we love her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like the draft is happening. I'm like sweating bullets. They, they draft six people. They're on the sixth pick, and I haven't been picked. And I was like, damn, I'm going to have to look for a job. And I'm just sitting there like, hmm, what am I going to do next year? And they call my name. And I was like, what? Like, I was just, like, in a fog. And then they said, they were like, yeah, we picked you because you said you like to play defense. And I was like, like yes. That was the right answer. Nailed the interview. Yeah. So I was stoked about it. But that season was really – Nailed the interview, but that was the hardest season I've done so far. My first season in Korea. Physically or mentally? I feel like mentally would be tough because you guys are just put up in dorms essentially, right? For six months and it's just confinement. You were quarantining before quarantining happened. Honestly, like I know how to survive (laughs) quarantine because of Korea. I'm not even joking. (laughs) Yeah, I believe it. Like I learned so many just unnecessary skills to pass the time, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my coach was like batshit crazy honestly and I was the only foreigner um and I had a translator who didn't know anything about volleyball she just she had to learn volleyball like and the terminology like uh U.S. volleyball terms and Korean terms are different so she had to learn both and then be able to translate between the two and it just never worked out um so that was like a big source of my frustration and then the cultural change was really hard but the first month I was there, like, I was, I was probably like maybe borderline depressed, and because uh, I was just alone, like it was so hard, and I would just call my family, or actually I would call Paul, my husband, and I'd be like, "Is it worth it? Do I need to be here? Do we need the money? Will we make it if I leave?" <laughs> and he's like, "Just stick it out, like one more day, one more week," and I mean, I obviously I stuck it out, but the training was brutal. Like, and I did live in a dorm. I lived on the first floor and we would like eat and live on the first floor. We would do weights on the second floor and we would train on the third floor. So if I didn't want to go outside, like I, there were days I didn't go outside. I would just stay in our building. Yeah. That'll drive train. you nuts. Yeah. And my coach lived next door to me and the bath, his bathroom backed up to my bathroom. So in the morning I could hear him like brush his teeth and hawk loogies. And then he'd walk out and go to practice. And I was like, this is just not okay. <laughs> yeah, it is wild. Um, but we, we had a really good season. We won that year too. Um, and then I actually ended up going back the next year. to the same team, same coach. <laughs> Get that money. <laughs> I don't know. But, but I actually really liked the girls on the team. Like, oh, even cool. though they didn't, they didn't speak English, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm a bit of a jokester and I think that's gotten me like pretty far with teams because I learned like all the bad words first and they think it's funny. And then 
there's just, I don't know, there's just ways where you can like lift spirits and practice because practice was just mil very militaristic. Like I knew what time of day it was based on what drill we were doing because it was always the same, always three hours long. And uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. So then af after your first season, then it's your second official summer with the national team or first? Uh, 2016, I went to like Pan Am Cup Pan Am in Dominican. Cup, yeah. But that was the Olympic summer. So I wasn't really training with like, I guess, a top group of girls. So sure. 2017 was like, I went to Grand Prix that summer because a lot of the older girls had time off after the Olympic year. Because they didn't Champions get much Cup? of a break. Mm-hmm. In Japan. I just remember Grand Prix because it was so fun. That was like the first time I met Carly Lloyd, Lauren Gibbonmeyer. They were my roommates. And just like kind of all of, I don't know, everyone. And I was like, what am I getting myself into? Like, these people know so much. They're so good at volleyball. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what was yeah. that transition like? Like, from, obviously, you're a good volleyball player going from college to pro, and you're finding yourself in pro, and then you find yeah. yourself in the national team gym and going to a couple tournaments. And Carly's coming, like, fresh off of a Champions League win and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was like a little bit daunting. And I definitely was very, very nervous. Uh, but yeah, I'm just trying to think back to that summer. Um, I think I was just basically nervous all of the time, like 100% of the time. I was like, <laughs> what am I doing here? Um, but yeah, I was just trying to play and have fun and like do the best that I could and just compete hard. But it was definitely a challenge. And I didn't feel like I was cut out for it um I think it takes a lot of time to, to get used to just the level of play because like I went from being like a big fish in a little pond to now like I'm a, a little fish in a big pond like everyone here is good everyone here hits hard and I, yeah it's just been a long road of getting better and it's definitely a process but I've enjoyed it so far yeah so while you're in that mode of like I'm nervous I don't know if I belong like, yeah. should I be here? How do you survive in that? And how do you get through that? What were the I keys for, for you? I think for me, it's just kind of going at it full force. Like if I, if I start to like fall into that trap of like, being like, okay, yeah, I'm really nervous. Like, can I do it? I don't know. It just doesn't work out well for me. But if I'm just like, Hey, I'm here. I'm here for a reason. I was asked to be here. Like they believe you can do it you need to believe you can do it. And so I just think that it kind of came from, from that place of just like, I'm here and I just, I have to sack up and do it basically. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of yeah. mindset. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but that's cool. Yeah. Definitely not easy. I think over time, like I'm, I'm a huge, like negative self-talker for sure. And I really, really would focus on airs. Like when I was at Arizona, I could tell you how many airs I had before I could tell you how many kills I had. And okay. I would just count them. Yeah. Um, so that's been like a long process of just being okay with making mistakes, like, okay with making mistakes that are like acceptable. Yeah. The right mistake. You know, like, like, okay. Yeah. I'm not getting blocked. Like if I'm getting blocked straight down, I'm hitting right into the belly of a block, not a great mistake to be making, but if I'm hitting high hands, which is like what I've, I don't know. I think that's like a part of my game that I've gotten pretty good at. Um, you know, if I'm hitting high hands, but I'm barely missing a finger, like that's an okay mistake to make. Like at least I went for it, you know? Um, but yeah, the, the negative self-talk was like a really, really big roadblock for me. So are you conscious of that? Like at, at this point in your career, now that you've had a lot of practice at it, are you conscious of that negative self-talk during practices or matches? Or is it more of a post game, like, oh, I should have done this better or whatever. I think now it's more post-game, and I kind of just focus on the play at hand or the moment at hand now. Um, but, like, in the past, I, it would be like, okay, I made a mistake, and then I'd be like, I can't believe you just made that mistake. Like, we can't – like, you can't do that again. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, but now it's more just like, okay, I made a mistake, and it just rolls off my shoulder a little bit easier now. Um, and it's more of just a post-game, like, breakdown of, okay, I'm going to watch film. I'm going to see what I did wrong and how I could do better next time. I feel like, well, I, I mean, I know you pretty well, but. That's awesome. Yeah. 
yeah, that's a huge step. But like I've, because like in, again, in this series of podcasts that we've done, like the word vulnerability has come up a couple times. Has yeah. that also made you have to be more vulnerable with your teammates and being like reaching out and being like, Hey, I, I'm really hard on myself. I don't need you to be exponentially harder on me or like have some, like, have you ever had to talk to them and be like, this is what I need from you. This is what I don't need from you or just anything like that. Um, I think that's still a work in progress. Like, I think if you ask like a lot of my close friends, I have a big problem with vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And that's just like and growing up in my family, like I have a brother, you know, it was just like, you don't show emotion. You don't say how you're feeling, like just do your job, put your head down and grind. Um, so I have a really hard time opening up and like asking for help and saying what I need and saying what's wrong. But um, I think that, you know, like my, my good friends, like on the national team, which I think I'm pretty close to, I mean, a good amount of people, I think they, they know what I need and how I perform best. And I've talked about it with them, but it's definitely hard, like being on a new team and professionally, you're on a new team every year, yeah. um, opening up and saying like, Hey, this is how, this is how I like this and blah, blah, blah. You know, um, it's hard for me, but I think that uh, it's something that I could be better at for sure. Piggybacking yeah. off of that real quick. Did you with vulnerability comes, the ability to say how you're feeling, but also take how other people feel about something that you've done or something that you've mm-hmm. said. Do you feel like over time you've also been able to be able to take it better than you were able to back in the past? And like, it wasn't like so offensive because like you're yeah. saying at Arizona, like you would just put your head down and work and you didn't relay so much community, like information to people of like what you needed from them. And now yeah. playing at a higher level, are you able to both understand what somebody's saying quickly and just forget about it and relay that communication a little bit faster than it used to be? Yeah, I think so. I think more now it's like, like, this is my job and we need to get to like this point. So like certain things need to be said and certain things need to be done to get to that point. So like, I think that there's, there's a way to get information to people like, okay, someone needs to tell me something like. I don't know, like I was really good friends with my setter and a middle on my team this year. And they, they would tell me those things. And I think there's just certain people that can say certain things to you so that they click faster and that they make more sense. Um, But you know, like if it comes from someone who's, I don't know, like a middle who I didn't know, and they're telling me something I'm going to, and I'm not like super close with them. I'll, I'll still be like, "Eh," like, I don't know if you know what you're talking about. Like I'm a little bit skeptical still. For sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that trust, just trusting your teammates definitely helps build that communication. Yeah, undoubtedly. You guys, yeah. It's much easier to hear something from someone you know than someone who's, who you're not homies with. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> like to an extent, almost like if you know someone too well and you hear it, it's like such a dagger to the heart. And like, exactly. if you don't, and if you don't know someone at all and they tell you something, you're just like, how did they pick that up? And like, there's this like really fine line of like, do I listen to everything? Do I not listen to everything? But I think it probably just comes with time of understanding like why and how or what people are saying versus just taking everything face value. Exactly. And I think overseas too, you get like a language barrier and like, sometimes they're not saying exactly what they mean. You know what I'm saying? So I've gotten pretty, and like this happened a lot when I was actually in Korea, like my translator would say what my coach was saying and he was just a yeller and she would say like, okay, he's saying some really bad words and he's saying this. And I was just like, well, all right. Like I don't understand what he's saying. And it's actually kind of nice. Like it's a little bit (laughs) freeing for me that I don't understand like what he's yelling at me because then it doesn't like connect to me as hard emotionally so I don't know I think too I've just gotten pretty good at like selective hearing which may not For be sure. good but but if it's something that I think is going to help me then I'll take it but if not it's like okay well thanks for your two cents but uh, I don't need it yeah. yeah like I remember when I played in Czech we I mean we lost like two matches in a row and it felt like the world was ending you know mm-hmm. 
And so yeah. our coach pulls us in and we had, everybody was Czech except myself and a Polish guy. And the Czechs are really blunt and they're really vulgar and everything has to do with either sex or beer. <laughs> like that's like their whole life. So he yeah. pulls us in and he goes, he's like, I don't know what's been happening. Either you guys are drinking too much or having too much sex. I don't know what your guys' deal is, but we're not Brazil. We're not Italy. We're not Polish. I don't know what Americans do, but if you guys are doing that shit, you guys got to stop. We need to sober up <laughs> and we got to be celibate for the next month. And I was like, if that's really what you think is going to make us better volleyball players, like. <laughs> it's like, yeah, how does that right. relate to pass that hit? Yeah, I was like, I yeah, think we're just pretty lazy in practice and this is kind of affecting us. But hey, man, yeah. if this is what you think, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like but they had to, to translate. Yeah, but they had to translate to me, and I'm just sitting there dying, laughing, you know. And all these other guys yeah. have their head down because he's screaming it at them. And I was the Polish guy, and I were dying. We're like, this is the most yeah. ridiculous <laughs> thing we've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty nuts. Yeah, my my Korean coach would yell like all the time, and he'd like point his finger in my face during timeouts, basically saying like, "You need mm. to score more. We need you to do this." And I would like. I sweat a lot. So I'd always have a sweat towel like up to my face and I would just start laughing behind the towel. I was like, this is laughing about this for me is the best way to just let it like roll yeah. off my back and go yeah. through it. And I, so, you know, like I've just found ways to kind of cope with, with all of that. Yeah. So I have, um, I guess it's more of like a personal question for you and you've made a lot of rosters and you haven't been selected to some rosters that you probably felt like you deserved or don't deserve whatever. Right. But like, yeah. How do you, how do you cope with it? And how do you like keep moving forward and being like, it's fine. Like I'm just, the next one's mine. I can do this. Like, how do you keep maintaining confidence? Well, for me, I, like I'm training with the best people in the world. Yeah. And like, if I start comparing myself to the person to my left or my right, like, I think that's a recipe for disaster. And when I first got to the gym, I was like, okay, that's Jordan Larson. Shit. Like she's pretty good. Am I going to, you know? And then you just start, it's like a snowball, you know? Yeah. So I think over time, it's just gotten to a point where it's like, I'm competing against myself yeah. and okay. If I'm not making a roster, like, okay, look at the other outside hitters who are in front of me on this roster. Like they're phenomenal. And I mean, stats don't lie. Like they have good stats. Mine could be better. And I'm fully aware of that. And I think just realizing that like, I have so much room to grow. Like when I, people ask me, do you want to play volleyball anymore? I'm like, yeah, like I have so much room to get better and I have so much work I still want to do. And I'm not near the player that I want to be. So I realize that there's room for potential and it's more just competing against myself rather than competing against the other people who are in the gym because I think that would probably make me go crazy. That that is such a good message to so many different athletes is and people. Just, yeah, just yeah. trying to be better yourself despite yeah. what's going on outside of your control. Um, yeah, that's so easy. cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it, oh, it's not. definitely not easy. That's it's probably harder than comparing yourself to other people. Yeah. And then especially with like where we're in the professional sense, like now you see people getting jobs that maybe you wanted that job or getting like this money and you're like, okay, now I'm competing for like a livelihood. And, and I think even that can get like uh, disheartening at times. Um, but yeah, like, I think that the work I've put in the, thus far has, I mean, like I'm content with with where I've gotten with my volleyball career and I know I have so much more room to grow, but um, yeah, I just like, I think comparison is the thief of joy. That's a quote that I like. <laughs> comparison is the thief of joy. I love that. Yeah. So that's kind of just something that sits in the back of my mind. Yeah. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. So we've heard and well, yeah, we've heard on this podcast live that you guys have been having some like Zoom calls with the national team and trying to yeah. create a better culture. And the biggest thing that we took away is 
each individual is trying to figure out something that they want to bring to the table and get better at. And the question that Jordan posed was, who are you and what do you stand for? Oh God. And we were like, this is just the best question. <laughs> so Maddie King, big question. Who are you and what do you stand for? Oh man. This is like a, this is a heavy question. Who am I? Shoot guys. I don't know. <laughs> um, when I like in general or as a volleyball player or just in life in, in life yeah in life. yeah I think in life like probably one leads to the other I feel like this this needs time to be thought about <laughs> but I guess I can just can we like circle back to this sure yeah we can circle back to it I okay, think the, so I think the most valuable part of that sorry Jackson is what do you stand for um and that usually Actually, describes like who this, you are. This, I have something. Uh, I have, I've been reading this book and something that really resonated with me that I've been like actually thinking about a lot during quarantine is just the, the idea of lifting others up. Um, and I think that that's like something that I would want to stand for is just like lifting up other people and putting others first. Um, kind of in everything. Because I've been on a team sport and I think it's not really about me it's more about the team. It's more about the we instead of the me. And I don't know, just with my family, my marriage, like I want to uplift others and be like more servant to other people before thinking about myself. You that killed it. Question. That's a great you answer. Killed it. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, I, I always think of it from like a legacy standpoint. So every yeah. club or every person that I play with, I always want them to think like, wow, he was a good volleyball player, but he was a better guy. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I stand yeah. for. I just want to be a better person. I want people to think I'm a better person than I ever was a volleyball player. Yeah, that's nice, Matt. Thank you. A good one. Yeah. Thanks. Had a boy, Matty. I try. <laughs> All right, Jackie, what do you got? Um, so a couple random questions for you, Matty. Okay. When you got to college, who was the first person to give you the business? Yeah, who dismantled Freaking you? Dominique Lamb. This girl <laughs> who housed me on day one. Literally day one. Dominique Lamb. She coaches now, I think, in Rhode Island. Or maybe she's a nurse. She loves coaching. Yeah. She and was a coach and now she's a nurse. Who was the first person to give you the business when you walked in the gym? USA gym? Yeah. Oh, man. Luca gives everybody the business, so she doesn't count. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, because my first summer when I was there, like, all the older girls were gone. Oh, that's this well, the Olympic even, summer. Even better. Let's hear the young kid was that killed you. I'm trying to think of who was there because we were training to go to Dominican Republic. And, um, no one gave me the business that Stop I can think it. of. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. No one gave you the business. Actually, you know what? Micah and Micah. Maddie. Micah and Maddie both have answered with a defender. Really? Well, like Micah said, as a defender, Karsta gave her the business. And Maddie said, Nat Haglin. <laughs> Nat Haglin gave them the business because she had 50 digs in one match. Oh, but that wasn't at the, the that wasn't in the No, gym. I'm just that saying, I'm giving, I'm giving you okay. examples here. It doesn't have to be as a blocker. <laughs> got you, got you. you could have got blown up receiving, which I'm sure happened once or twice that summer. Probably. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, it would be Micah. <laughs> fucking serve. <laughs> because that's she's serving awesome. right at me. Yeah, that's yeah. And the all hook. it does is just, you're just shanking it nowhere near the court. It's just going to the stands to your left. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, Whatever. Maddie, I think we're good here. Well, Maddie, I think we're good here. Well, Maddie and Maddie. I think we're good here. Is other Maddie also there? Maddie is right here. 
Well, Maddie. Madison. <laughs> well, no, Maddie, but really, thank you for coming on and taking the time to hang out with us and talk shop. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. This was fun. No, seriously, thank you so much. It was really awesome to hear from you. Yeah, thanks for letting me share my story. This is like probably the first time I've ever talked about it. And really? Possible. Yeah, oh, and like full, extensive story. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done this. Oh, well, I enjoyed it. Thanks, guys.